So we are focusing on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. We see the dying faith of Joseph. And uh, if you can kindly open up also Genesis chapter 49 and 50, we will be looking at it as well along the way. So to walk by faith literally means believing in God's character, trusting him for who he is. And believing in God's promises, trusting him, do what he says. When we believe that uh, God will fulfill his promises even though we don't see it, we demonstrate true faith. As we see in verse 1, the two words that describe, describe faith is confidence and assurance. In confidence and assurance, we find our dependency and our rest in him. We find strength as our entire lives abides in God for everything when we are lost in him. As uh, Richard Ellsworth's uh, day, he describes the exploits of faith do not proceed from self-confidence, but God-consciousness. As we look at the verse 22 in this hall of faith, it comes with a bit of a surprise that out of all the tests that Joseph had to endure during his lifetime, such as adversity, suffering, temptations, and prison, to rise to be the second in command of a nation where he was brought as a captive, it is his dying scene that was commended. Now, Joseph's eventful life had many instances that could have highlighted as hollow faith. There was faith shown in God while he was describing the dreams he saw as a young man, having the audacity to share that with his father. Now, think from a Middle Eastern perspective. You know, a, a Middle Eastern father's perspective is not quite like the American father's perspective. If he was not his beloved son, Joseph would not have lived another day to share another dream. And then to display the core of his faith, faith at the face of severe temptation that led him to the prison cell in Egypt. That display of faith to stand in front of Pharaoh to reveal the dream that he had. To demonstrate the faith in forgiving his brothers who treated him with hatred, with jealousy, and with resentment. But the Holy Spirit chose his dying moments, his ultimate display of faith. Charles Spurgeon, in his famous sermon, Joseph's Bones, reminds us that very likely when we least please ourselves, God is best pleased with us. The prayer over which we groaned and thought it was not a prayer may have been, may have more true supplication in it than another intercession of which we thought far more highly. That trial which we thought we passed through with so much impatience may have been before God an exhibition of true patience as he looked deep down into our souls. The tests by which we try ourselves are very inaccurate. It may be when we read our own biographies in the light of eternity we shall be surprised to notice that God has highly commented what we wept over, while much that we gloried in will be cast away among the reprobate silver. 
the Lord sees not what the man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at his heart. Think about it. <clears throat> what we find here in this verse is not just a dying wish, but an unshakable faith that displays confidence and assurance in God's promise. Verse 20 to 22 captures this dying faith. We see Isaac's, uh, we see three dying faith. We see Isaac's dying faith that displays the vision for the future. And then we see Jacob's dying faith in the act of worship. But when it comes to Joseph, the dying scene is one of enduring faith. Why is Joseph's dying faith is different from Jacob? As we might have already looked at last week, Jacob, after blessing all his children and worshiping with them, gave clear instruction about his burial. And we see that in Genesis chapter 49, from verse 29, where he says, I'm about to uh, gather to my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave, in the field of Ephraim the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the, the field as a burial place from Ephraim the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah was buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah was buried. And there I buried Leah. So Jacob made sure that his body was carried over and was buried at his family tomb where his fathers rested. And looking at the dying scenes of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50 from verse 24 on, his wish too appeared to be so similar as the wish of his father Jacob. As you see, then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he has promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And verse 25, And Joseph made the Israelites swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and you must carry my bones up from this place. Very similar wish. But as you look deep down in, into this both dying wishes, there is a noticeable difference between the two. Jacob's wish to be buried in Machpelah was born out of his desire to be buried with his fathers on grounds of natural affection. As he speaks, his relationship with Abraham, Isaac, and Leah, and so on. Of course, natural affection might have led Joseph to desire the same wish as Jacob. But the difference here is Jacob wanted to be buried at once. He knew that with Joseph in power in Egypt, anything he wished for his funeral would be granted. But in the case of Joseph, he delays his funeral. He turned down what it could have been the grandest and the most respectful burial to postpone his interment in a foreign land until the covenant promise is fulfilled. Until then, his bones would be there as a sign a reminder and an encouragement for the future generation through the prosperity of his time and during the subsequent hard times, reminding that they are strangers 
and sojourners in the land. And one day, they will be back. They will make their way back to their promised land. Friends, we know that this enduring faith that Joseph displayed on the dying moments are not something that he suddenly mustered up. His entire life has been an example of that enduring faith. We find this enduring faith in the midst of fierce adversity as he was hated by his brothers. As a result, they plotted to kill him. And then he was sold and was taken into the land of Egypt, where he became Potiphar's slave. Such experiences can shake anybody's faith, let alone a teenager. But not Joseph's, because he knew and for sure that the Lord was with him. That's the reason he was not moved by the temptation a young man could have had when Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes upon Joseph. He refused and strongly overcame the seduction of his master's wife. And it was the enduring faith of Joseph that guided him through false and unjust accusations and through broken promises. First, he was despised and rejected and sold out to be a slave by his own brothers. Then he was thrown into the prison through the false accusation of Potiphar's wife. And in the prison, after revealing the dreams of the royal cupbearer, he forgets the promise he made to Joseph to get him released out of the prison. That enduring faith was intact, even in the midst of success and prosperity, both at Potiphar's house and when he was exalted to, to the one of the highest positions in the land of Egypt. After he had passed through many trials in Egypt, he was raised to be the prime minister of that land. Pharaoh had said, only by the throne will I be greater than you. He was, in all respects, became the most powerful man in that nation. He was surrounded by royalty. He was surrounded by respect and riches. Yet, none of this diminished his faith in God. It is one thing that a trial of faith when we are in poverty, but there is a greater trial when we are prosperous. And there is a greater chance that we may set our hearts on the riches. We are prone toward the pleasures the earthly riches would bring. But here in Joseph's case, he was enticed by the riches of power, position, respect, and wealth for the rest of his life. Yet, he remained true to heart toward the, toward the God of his fathers in a land of idol worship and false gods. His enduring faith remained unshaken under the most protracted temptations. He never succumbed to the Egyptian habits and customs, knowing that he didn't belong there. He preserved his integrity and faith toward Jehovah, the God of Israel. Thus, his enduring faith was on display at the time of his death. This is the ultimate display of faith triumphs over death. He says, I'm about to die, and God will surely come to your aid. He remembers God's faithfulness and his unfailing promises at the closing hours of his life. Spurgeon observes, moreover, 
If I am to gather from the text that the Holy Spirit has singled out the brightest instance of faith in Joseph's whole life, it is beautiful to remark that the grand old man becomes most illustrious in his last hour. Death did not dim, but rather brightened the gold in his character. On his deathbed, beyond all the rest of his life, his faith, like the setting sun, gilds all around with God's glory. Now that the heart and flesh fail him, God becomes more than ever the strength of his life, as he was soon to be a por- his portion forever. It is not a grand thing for Christian to do his very best action last, being strongest in divine power when his own weakness is supreme. We should desire to serve God in youth, in health, in strength, with all the might we have, but it may happen to us like like Samson, our last act may be the greatest. Many a good man groans over his life that having done all he can, it is still unsatisfactory. But perhaps the master may be intending to give him a crowning mercy just as last and making the place of his departure to be the best scene for the most glorious victory. Then by God's grace, he may enter into heaven wearing the laurels of faith there to cast them at Savior's feet. At any rate, Joseph is a noble instance of faith's conquest over death. When Joseph says his last words, that the Lord will surely come to the aid of his people, by no means the children of Israel would foresee a time that they needed God to come to their aid to get them out of that land into the promised land. They were well settled in Goshen, the one of the most fertile region in all the land. They were favored and respected. They had all the comfort of Egypt. Although Joseph didn't know how the Exodus will unfold, yet his faith was firm in the covenant promises that it will be fulfilled someday. So he gave clear instructions to carry his bones along with them to the promised land. As mentioned earlier, Joseph would have had the grandest and the most respect, respectful burials in all of Egypt. Yet he did not, he, he knew that he didn't belong to Egypt. He didn't want to be buried in Egypt. More than a desire to be buried in the land that the Lord has promised, more than a desire to be buried along with his fathers and loved ones, it was yet another enduring faith of Joseph was on display that it would encourage the faith of others. He leaves his bones to be a standing sermon to the children of Israel. They would embalm his body and put it in a coffin in Egypt. And during the time of prosperity, they were reminded that they have to go out of Egypt one day, that they were strangers and sojourners in that land. And his coffin will stay there as an encouragement during the dark hours as the taskmasters began to afflict the people of God to a point where they started to think that there is no way out of this misery. They were reminded that the Lord will come to their aid. That in due time, that the Lord will rescue them out of the bondage of slavery into the land that was promised to Father Abraham. 
It is an unusual choice of Joseph to delay his funeral. But it was also a reminder of spiritual heritage for his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. That they were not to make themselves Egyptians. Or in other words, not to be conformed to the world that they may not seek the comforts and pleasures of Egypt. That the bones of their father will be a perpetual reminder that though they were born out of an Egyptian mother, their spiritual heritage is that of their fathers, so that they may seek the spiritual blessings of the covenant. How does Joseph's enduring faith speak to us today? First and foremost, Joseph's enduring faith is a perpetual reminder that we are strangers and sojourners and that this world is not our home. We are just passing through. As Apostle Paul reminds us through the Philippine believers, but our citizenship is in heaven, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we belong to a different kingdom, and Lord Jesus is our king. And it is the enduring faith, like what Joseph displays through his life and death, and even through his bones, gives us clarity toward how we live our lives while look toward that blessed hope, the coming kingdom of God. Joseph's enduring faith also exemplifies how to live a legacy and leave a legacy. Speak, that speaks to us very clearly today. Friends, the world around us are in panic. No one knows what the future holds. There is violence, there is hate crimes, there is bloodshed, there is famine, there is natural disasters, political instabilities. There is no systemic hope for the world today. And we have a task at hand. The assignment our King Jesus gave to us just before his ascension 